Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 216 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I am so pleased that you're here with me today. Today, we're going to be talking to Hyde E. Erdrich on writing poetry in the dark. I have been getting so much more into poetry this year. I have mentioned it. I took a class. It has really unlocked and unbottled some stuff inside me that is really important. Um, and speaking of importance, Hyde really talks about how writing can be transformative. And we talk about how important it can be in terms of um, emotional health and strength and recovering from trauma. So I know you're going to enjoy the interview very quickly. What's going on around here? Um, well, what is going on? And I mean, very quickly, what is going on is I'm very sick. Uh, there's something wrong inside me and doctors can't figure out what it is. And I'm in a great deal of pain right now, uh, all the time. And I have been for the last 10 days and, uh, I need more tests and an MRI and all this other stuff. So, uh, I have been feeling terrible. That is why there was no podcast last week. And, um, I just need to say right now that if there's no podcast next week, that is why I'm going to try like hell to get this up, but I can only sit up for about 10 minutes at a time right now. So, um, you kind of hear in my voice that I'm upset. I put on lipstick for you and I put on mascara. Um, but let me just talk for a minute about what we do when this kind of shit hits us. Uh, we do the freaking best that we can. That is all. I have, um, my 90 day classes starting on the Tuesday after this goes out. I'm recording this on Wednesday. It'll go up on Friday, hopefully, if I get it done. And then I have 90-day classes starting on Tuesday. That is my focus right now, are these 90-day classes. They are so important to me. They are what I love to do. Um, number one in my life, you know, is writing in terms of my work life. Number one in my life is my people. But number one in my work life is writing. And a very close number two are helping other writers write their books and revise their books. You know that I love that so much. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen. I may have to push the class for a week or two. And I can't even think farther than that. But I don't think I will, which is why if you are taking one of these 90-day classes, I haven't made that announcement because I think I'm going to be able to do it. Hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, and that is something I've been thinking about a lot. We don't, in writing... We don't need as much certainty as we think we do. Um, there are plotters and there are pantsers. There are people who plot their books and there are people who fly by the seat of their pants. The real truth of life, I think for most people, lies somewhere in the middle. We plan quite a bit and then things happen and we have to fly by the seat of our pants. And I am one of those people who prefers to plan things out. I prefer to have an outline. However, in reality, when I'm writing... I deviate from the outline almost 100%. As soon as I start writing, oh, one page later, I'm in a different land. Uh, and that is just life. Remembering that is very important to me. Remembering that everything is changing all the time and I don't need to have the answer for what's going to happen tomorrow 
or the next day or next week when the classes start. Understanding that we can make shifts and most importantly, we have to take care of ourselves in whatever way that looks like. Um, knowing that my writing will get done. Yesterday, I did my writing while lying on my back on the couch. And I got some good words done. I was writing about poetry, about poetry, actually. That was really, really fun. And it didn't look like sitting up at my desk. And it didn't look like me being the very, very sturdy, resilient, energetic person that I usually am. I'm not sturdy right now. I'm not resilient. And I'm not energetic. And I can do some of my work and some of my work I can't. I really need to be allowing myself to rest right now. And that is my work. I have a new mantra and I want to share it with you really quickly. It is, what is my one job right now? I can only have one job at a time. Right now in this very second, my one job is to record this podcast, um, this intro to this podcast, not even this podcast, just this intro. That is my one job. Right after this, my one job is to go back to bed. And my one job while I'm in bed is to rest. It is not to do anything else. It's not to worry about doing anything else. My one job is to rest. I don't want you to be too worried about me. Um, there's, it's, it's something interior. I probably need to lose another organ. My wife says that eventually I'll just be a brain in a jar because I just, I like to lose organs as often as possible. Um, and one of them definitely wants to go away. So, um, my one job will be to rest. What is your one job? What is your one job right now? Are you driving? Um, great. Your one job can be making sure you get to where you're going safely, but also kind of listening to me, listening to me talk to Hyde in our interview, um, thinking about how what we talk about applies to your writing. That's your one job. When you get to where you're going, what's your one job then? Multitasking is a myth. Um, you know that I know that I like to do it still. Um, my very favorite thing to do is like watch TV while knitting, while eating some ice cream and having a conversation with my wife. And I don't have to do all of those things perfectly when I'm doing them. Um, they don't require perfection. Uh, what requires dedication and, uh, and deserves all the intelligence you can put toward it. However, is our important work. And right now my important work is writing, teaching, and resting. And I don't need to know exactly how all of those things are going to fit together yet. So this is a lot longer than I thought it would be anyway. So I'm going to sign off. I'm going to wish you very happy writing as I usually do, but also very happy um, single tasking and very happy uh, thinking about how you don't need to have all the answers right now on how you're going to finish your book, how you're going to be published, how you're going to get an agent, how you're going to self-publish. Um, we tend to get so wrapped up in trying to future trip and figure everything out. Don't worry about that. What's your one job right now? Uh, that's my words for you today. Moving into the new year. Uh, generally, the first episode of the new year uh, is about money. And I guess this will be the first episode of the new year. Looks like it comes out on January 1st. Uh, so that's not going to happen. Hopefully I'll do it next week and maybe I won't. Who knows? I will do my best. Uh, but I like this as the first episode of the new year. What's your one job? That is what I am asking myself in every moment. And in every moment that kind of shifts a little bit. Um, and I think I might continue this as the year moves forward. Single tasking, perhaps that's my, um, focus.
for 2021. So my friends, happy writing. Hit me where you find me. Come send me an email. Tell me how you're doing. Um, and thank you so much for being here and uh, supporting me and listening to the show. You all mean so much to me. Thank you for uh, getting through this difficult 2020 year. Let's move forward into a difficult 2021 and we can do it together. So glad you're here. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show, Hyde E. Erdrich. Hello, Hyde. How are you? Hi, Rachel. Uh, you know, it's it's it was a good day here. It was sunny and I got a lot of work done. So things are Fantastic. shifting. Good, good. I love that. Let me give you a little introduction and then we're going to talk all things poetry and writing. Uh, Heidi Erdrich is the author of seven collections of poetry. Her writing has won fellowships and awards from the Native Arts and Cultures Foundation, the McKnight Foundation, the Minnesota State Arts Board, the Bush Foundation, the Loft Literary Center, and First Peoples Fund. And she has twice won a Minnesota Book Award for Poetry. She was also the editor of the 2018 anthology, New Poets of Native Nations, which was a recipient of the American Book Award from the Before Columbus Foundation and a Midwest Booksellers Choice Award. Erdrich works as a visual arts curator and collaborator and as an educator. She teaches in the low residency MFA creative writing program of Augsburg University and is the 2019 distinguished visiting professor in the liberal arts at the University of Minnesota, Morris. Erdrich grew up in, can you help me say this, Wapiton? Wapiton. Okay, Wapiton, North Dakota, and is Ojibwa enrolled at Turtle Mountain. She lives in Minneapolis, and her latest book is Little Big Bully, and it is really so gorgeous. There it is. If you're watching on the on the YouTube, you can see it there. Um, I was so pleased to have been offered this opportunity to talk to you, and um, as I love to do when I talk to poets, I would love to invite you to read a poem for us. Oh, I'd be happy to. Yay. <clears throat> I'm going to read something that's not quite characteristic, but it does a good job of describing some of the things that happen in the book. And then I'll, I'll tell you about that later. It's called, I feel like a fool. Do you? I feel like a fool. Do you? A tarot deck fool. Looking back to see if you were looking back at me. I'll trip right off that cliff. Once in North Dakota, in my actual childhood, I saw a hobo, that's what we said then, with an actual red bandana bundle he had slung on a stick. He tried to get me to walk under a bridge with him. He said he had a great gift. My bigger sister sniggered at that, or there'd be a red dress hanging in a tree for me too. Which brings me back to that fool tumbling ass over tea kettle into some gully having fallen for it then dusting fool's self's ass off pick yourself up start all over again 
This is a world of men, this tarot deck, and sure, the world. And yet, I won't give a single pronoun for it. We were both fools. We are all fools. Once in my actual adult life, in a hideous time of lies, our own stories were required of us. Fool though I feel, real and truly fucked though we be, I picked my first person. I set my truth free. Fool. Me fool. Me fool me. Thank you. You're welcome. That is so beautiful. And I love that it's the fool. Um, when I read this, I was really, really moved. The fool card, I'm, I'm a tarot fan. And uh, and the fool card tends to really frighten me in a way that it maybe some people don't feel, but I, I never like it when I get the fool. And I think that you capture so much of that danger. You <laughs> capture a lot of danger with your work. Yeah, there's a lot in there about fear and danger, but yeah. the fool actually comforts me and yeah. I do get that card off. And, and one of the reasons is because it, the fool is moving happily along in the world, has no idea they're about to fall down. But, you know, the, the good nature looks after fools and drunks, they say. Yes. So they never really get harm. They just don't see things coming and it's they true. go on. And it's actually a good trait to just be like, okay, I don't know what's about to happen, but I am going to travel blithely. So I like that. And, but I felt it keenly when writing from personal experiences and from things that felt really intimate and personal to me in this book, which is something I don't usually do. Mm, that is a beautiful way. And I think I'll try to be less scared of the fool when, <laughs> when he shows up, when I turn him over. So talk to us a little bit about, you are very busy. You do all these things. You're doing a lot of stuff, not just the writing, but what does your writing process look like? Well, you know, I like the color green. So my office is filled with green things and I get a new chair every time I finish a book. Because you get a new chair? Yeah, I, I usually get them. Uh, I pick them up on curbs. I get yeah. them in yard sales. I get them, I get them secondhand. I'm, I think I've only once purchased a new chair from Ikea. Um, so, you know, I, it was COVID times and I was finishing a book and I couldn't stand the chair I worked on for in, in for so long. So I went on to something like, you know, Facebook marketplace or something and got yeah. myself a new green Victorian chair with swan's heads. So it's very regal. Oh, I love that. And that's where I sit. And usually I work on a laptop on a lap desk and I like to work a lot from dreams. So I mm. will allow myself to snooze because often I have a really good idea after I've slept or sleep in a little bit that tends to really jog my creative abilities. Um, and I don't write longhand very often if I'm traveling and travel is a really a good process for me um, moving in a vehicle or walking even. Yeah. So I use walking when I can't travel. How do you manage to capture the dreams? They're so ephemeral. You know, sometimes, and in this book, uh, most of, maybe about half of the poems in the last section are just literally how the dreams came to me. I didn't have That's to tweak them very much. Amazing. Yeah, they're quite vivid. And, um, you know, the ones that have narrative are easier to stick with because I can remember aspects of the story and resupply them in my waking self. But, but generally they're sensory, vivid. So those things are right there. I don't need, um, 
you know, I don't need to work too hard to get them. And they're so strange usually <laughs> that it's, it's great to just have them come to me. I don't have to, you know, reach for it. You're kind of blowing my mind right now because uh, listeners of the show will know that I have been, I write novels and memoirs. I do not write poetry because I was kind of a little bit scarred in grad school by poetry. And I've recently unlocked that. I took this incredibly beautiful course on writing poetry. And I also have incredibly vivid dreams. And I have never thought until I just heard you say those words that I could wake up and write a poem with what I I saw. And, you know, not, I'm, I want to go to bed now. It's inherited (laughs) advice because um, in a way, because I had a professor in graduate school, White Prunty, the poet White Prunty. And his advice was a little different. And it was to drink a, a nice little neat scotch and then lie down on the divan or the oh. sofa or whatever he called it. And and when you get up for sure, you'll have a poem, he said. So <laughs> it, it might have been like, you know, a blessing that he gave me that. And I believed that there would be a poem because he said there would be. So I sometimes there are beautiful sometimes when I want to have a dream I well I always have dreams but I'll have a piece of cheese before I go to bed because my mother always said you'll have a dream if you have a piece of cheese my I mean, mom it's just said a- cucumbers really yeah. that's like the opposite of cheese I know <laughs> okay so um when you sit down to work do you have a set time that you like to work or set number of words that you're aiming for or or is it more organic yeah you know I don't do a set number of words uh, I may be like I gotta finish a poem or I've got to you know revise two poems today or if I'm working on an essay I gotta get through this section um, so you know those like very encouraging months of the year when you have to write so many words they just I I think they I have the best of intentions. I'm like, that sounds fun. And then I sit down and I don't know how many words I wrote, you know? Yeah. So, and then I just end up being not interested in that. So I am better at working in the morning and in, in the late afternoon, somewhere in between, I have to kind of take a break and I can't really work at night anymore unless something wakes me up. Like I can't sleep and I have to go get it out. And that happened with some of the poems in this book. I just, I couldn't sleep. I had so many things and I just had to get them out. And I, I think I got 30 of the poems in this book in a very short period, less than a month. That was my next question. Is that because I don't know much about poetry? I've been, I, it's, it scares me like the fool card does. Um, <laughs> do, do you, with your books, do you, do you go at them because your your book is so thematically gathered? Do you go at them with an idea or do you kind of find them as you go? Do you often write them in such a short time or was this anomalous? No, I've never done anything like, you know, the amount of work that came in such a, a, a quick period. I mean, I had been thinking about some of the poems and I'd been driving, commuting um, every week out to Morris where I was in residence in 2019. So I had you know, kind of the stirrings in my head. And I sat down to find out if I had a book and I would find one poem and I would like, uh, it makes sense if I have another poem that goes with it. So it became, became a kind of, I used to smoke, kind of a chain smoking event, adventure. You know, I, I'd get done I with miss one smoking and, every day. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and I, I think one goes with this one, right? You know, or one more couldn't hurt. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of had that feel to it. It was like, oh, that was good. I'll try another one. Um, I so yeah, I think it was, it was unusual. It was probably some, you know, slightly manic swing due to the low light um, during the polar vortex. And 
I definitely was using my happy light. I might have overdone it <laughs> a little bit. Um, but we were really, we were literally stuck in this house for 10 days. There were five days when my daughter didn't go to school and my husband happened to be in Florida for work almost the entire time. He came home for like less than 48 hours during the only um, oh. temperatures above minus temperatures. So he didn't know what we'd gone through. And, and it, you know, and it was just, just dark. That was the strangest thing about it. There was no mm -hmm. light. So it was, uh, isolation that really helped me to focus and I hope that is helping some people I don't believe we should be multiply productive or overly productive because we're isolated uh, due to the pandemic but I do hope that people embrace it as a time to have some interior thoughts that you respect and not be afraid because yeah. you know uh, this is something poetry is like I don't know like anything you do intimately that doesn't get rated <laughs> like immediately yeah. don't be afraid <laughs> because nobody's right there to rate you except right. for yourself you right know? no one is going to accidentally be... read all your poems you know yeah. yeah exactly so just you know do not proceed in fear in fact the cover art on the book is called is a sigil against fear it's by Adria Carlson okay that and just she's gave a me good friend of mine I know um, isn't it beautiful it's, it's incredible these are emblems from multiple sources but several of them are indigenous art works that are made in the earth or in trees or made with minerals and mm. um, Andrea's Ojibwe too and helped me a lot thinking about this book I went to see her that January I was working on it and we talked a lot until I felt like I really knew the shape of the book and then luckily um, her artwork was available for the cover that is so divinely cool. I really, really love that. What is your biggest challenge then when it comes to writing? I don't know. What is your challenge? I, so I, I am so like, I'm not going to think about that. I kind of like, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I guess my challenge um, always is uh, first drafts, first drafts of uh -huh. anything. Once I get a first draft on the page of a book or, or whatever, I, I can revise happily yeah. and, and but first drafts really I guess I'm made I, I I'm learning by talking to you in this episode that I'm just learned I'm just made nervous by that which I don't know and yeah. and the fear of losing control which I think all first drafts are you have to lose control in a first draft yeah. what about, what about I, you? And I like to surprise myself I've turned that into surprise like oh like you know that. what was I doing here it's not what I intended to do but um I'm gonna and I'm going to go with it, see what happens. Surprise. Yeah, think of it as surprise, surprise yourself. I mean, it's actually one of the qualities that I have to evaluate my students on in the MFA program. Surprise was a category. <laughs> so, I adore We talk that. about that a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, for me, occasionally I have that voice. It's like, oh, this is not going to be relevant or this is only relevant to you or who is going to understand I come from a very, you know, very marginalized background. I'm a native person. I'm Ojibwe, you know, I'm an educated person. It's just, it's such a strange group of things that I am that the idea of being relevant is very, you know, mm. unlikely to me. So if I start to think about that, then I get, like, I get a little nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, but I love this idea of surprise. I'm going to add that to my <laughs> to my arsenal what is the biggest joy you get from writing if you can name one thing 
The actual process of writing, I feel good when I am working on the first draft. So I'm the opposite of you. (laughs) I like it. You know, it feels like imaginative and creative. And if I'm, if it's going well, I'm tapped into, you know, a voice where I'm, you know, communicating with myself and with others that I kind of imagine being part of the conversation. So that part is good. But, um, but I guess it is equal to the joy of having um, an audience that understands the book. I think getting a good review is one of the greatest things that anyone can give you, especially if it's somebody you don't know and you don't know how they did the review. Um, And then also winning this contest, man, that was, that was up there in one of the top 10 days of my life to win the national poetry series as a judge. I never met, you know, so. How did that feel that day? How, how did you, what did you do? Oh, seriously. I just cried. I just, (laughs) I don't cry very often. And I, it was, it was some crazy crying um, and laughing, you know, (laughs) similar to election the day after election or the Saturday after election, (laughs) very similar. Um, But yeah, 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 but it felt, you know, like satisfaction and completion. I've been writing a long time. I had, you know, this was my seventh book of poems to be published. I have an eighth that is out there still. um, And I just really never expected to have a national publisher or national audience. So it's really huge for me. I adore that. That just makes me feel so good to hear. Um, I hope everybody gets a little piece of that somewhere, no matter what it is. Savor it. Yeah. And sit in it and rejoice in it like we did that Saturday Mm -hmm. after the election. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Can you share a craft tip with the writers in the audience, with the the whole, the whole audience is writers. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the poem that I read, I feel like a fool to you switches pronouns a little bit. And I often ask my students to consider how a poem would feel in a different pronoun in we or you instead Mm. of I and just to try it and see you know or she or her or they or them just switch it a little bit and see how it feels what does it do for the poem how does it expand it or how does it make it more intimate if you switch back to I when you've been doing a she or he And I think that sometimes it gives you perspective that you wouldn't have. And often it shows a writer that they have not stayed in the same person throughout the whole poem. (laughs) So they have to justify why they've switched from I to she or we. um, They have to, they have to pick really. They have to decide which is most powerful. Right. I mean, you know, we don't have that luxury often in writing prose, Mm -hmm. you you know, you really got to stick with it. But in poetry, you can be true to the poem and take it outside of your experience or um, move into your experience with something that is not actual to you because we're not bound by the same rules of nonfiction. It, it might be like naming the favorite child, but do you have a particular pronoun or or um, voice that you use, like to use? Uh, like first person, second person, third person. What is your what's your favorite in poetry? I second person I like saying you you know I feel like I'm inviting someone or addressing someone mm-hmm. um, but I also am enlarging the experience so it's not just me you know so I do, I do like that um, you can't do it too much it gets a little tedious to the reader but there are times when I think it makes sense I don't 
stick with one usually throughout a whole book. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, I don't like the first person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you know that's, that that's work for me. Yes. <laughs> that's hard for me. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Coffee. oh my goodness if I don't have coffee I'm like what is wrong with me today you know I I don't give it up oh you gave it up I gave it up for a number of years because my you know acupuncturist told me my cortisol response would be better and I just recently took it up again I was stupid to have given (laughs) it up it is so it's like so perfect it's a perfect drug yeah, I'm, you know, it's either that or I seek medication. I yeah. have to have the stimulation. I, you know, and I, I use other stimulants too, legal ones, Yeah, you know, but, but I, I do need it. It's good for the neurons firing and, um, you know, well, but walking, walking helps too. Some people yeah. it's exercise. Um, I used to swim. Oh my gosh. Do you remember when you could just go into a gym and go into the pool? I fell in love with swimming, unfortunately, a year before the pandemic and I, yeah. and I've been yeah, lap oh, swimming a... is super meditative, you know. Have you and read guess... Why We Swim? No. By Bonnie Tui. Oh, I need to read that. It's beautiful. It's a um Excellent. it's one of those personalized memoirs, but with a lot of reportage. And um she's yeah. actually gonna be on the show next week. And and it's a beautiful book, and you'll love it because you'll feel like you're in the pool. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. 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 I mean, just the and apparently chlorine is supposed to open up your synapses too. So taking a shower. Going swimming, you know, and and cigarettes too actually help the neurons connect better in your brain, which is why we love to, to do it. You know, I haven't smoked since I was twenty. Briefly, but, yeah. <laughs> then you get, after a few years, it's the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> but, I yeah. I also have ADHD, and I have prescribed stimulants myself. But I have been preferring coffee. Coffee is just to bring it back to your your the thing that affects you in a surprising way. Yeah. And it, I mean, and it has health benefits. So yeah. I'm all for the coffee. Yeah. So, you know, I did worry, like, what if we, you know, people hoarding TP, I was like, Oh, no, what if we have a coffee shortage? And I'm a terrible person that that's my concern when, you know, we have so much to worry about. But honestly, if you don't focus on some of the smaller things, it's really hard to have the emotional bandwidth to understand and try and change the larger things. So I love that. go ahead and care about your coffee. <laughs> Heck yeah, my perfectly cup by cup Melita brood. My wife makes a whole pot, but I just like my one, my my cup by cup. Um, what is the best book that you've read recently? And what did you love about it? You know, I I've been doing a lot of these lists of things, and you know, what did you like? What did you read? Because I haven't actually been able to read that much. It's sort of sad, but I went back to a book I think it came out 2019 um Brother Bullet by Cassandra Lopez oh, I don't know and that. It, yeah it's a book of poems mm-hmm. and it's it's a very very sad book where she names the bullet that killed her brother mm-hmm. and addresses it and talks about what it's doing where it's been And it just is, it's extremely helpful for looking through a processing grief. The way she wrote it, you feel, you know, company in a difficult place. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful book for that. Um, So I think, you know, take a look at it. And I'm trying to remember, Publisher, New Mexico. So um, yeah, take a look 
at that book. Thank you for that recommendation. One of my favorite topics is grief. That's what I always want to read about. So thank you. That was Cassandra Lopez. Lopez, that's right. Brother Cassandra Bullet. with one S. One S. Oh, oh brother Bullet. Thank you. Mm -hmm. and She'd can, be great to talk to too. She's she's a very interesting person. I'm going to put her on my list. <laughs> That's how I get names for the show. And can you please tell us a little bit about Little Big Bully now and um, where people can find it? But just kind of tell us the what's behind it. Um, the book mm -hmm. has a, an arc to it. Uh, it starts with a poem called How, which asks, how did we get to this place? Um, I asked that question in 2017 or 18 in the spring, uh, when I saw a lot of contentiousness between people who should be allies and just weren't. Yeah. Um, and I, and it's, a, it's a sort of meditation on distracted thinking and how like everything just piles up and how did this happen? How did that happen? And then the rest of the book I learned, I understood later was sort of answering that question, how do things happen? And it goes through an arc of how do we come to be abused? Uh, what within us is the mechanism that gets tripped and when that uh, especially women allow for abuse in their lives? Uh, I'm not blaming women for being abused but there is something that has been done to girls to make it more likely that they will be abused and I looked for where those things came from and and how can you fight it and how could you use a narrative change to fight it that was so there's some sort of fairy tale quality to some uh, or you know kind of mythic quality to some of the first poems about witnessing and experiencing um you know, assault of acts and um, how to move through them. And that's sort of the micro. Um, and it's interspersed with love poems, which I thought nobody's going to like this because there are love poems in here, but the love poems are about self-sovereignty yes. and about how can you stay safe and love someone else, um, even a safe person. So those poems are there and they're, you know, really important to the kind of you know, it's not a, a series of poems in the victim mode at all. It's about um, moving through these things and on, um, you know, encountering narcissists and understanding that there's a rhetorical way to get rid of a narcissist and it's just don't respond. Don't talk to them. Let them, let, let all of their disengage. And it's like incredibly powerful. If you can do it, you do it. Uh, there are many people who can't, but it's one of the most powerful things you can find for yourself. So I moved through that. I moved to political situation of abuse and sort of the larger issue of do people side with a bully or do they side with those who need protection? And what does that, what's the implication of that? That, you know, in my opinion, 25% of our fellow citizens and people I know and have loved people who I'm related to uh, sided with the bully. And what does that mean? How mm -hmm. could that be? So they move from that to the future. The book, I really believe that things happen, you know, the way they do. And you are led to things that you need. And, and I just want to say very personally to you that this was a book that I needed. And I'm doing a bunch of stuff around an abusive relationship that I was in in my 20s. And, uh, and it was really, really helpful to me. And, oh, and 
deeply upsetting in a visceral way that was completely necessary to some of my healing. So thank you very much. I wanted to kind of thank you publicly for that. You're, you're so welcome. And I'm so grateful because, you know, you worry when you write frankly about assault and other experiences, stalking and abuse that you're, you know, you'll trigger people. And that is not at all my intention. And I tried in every poem to take a personal responsibility and also to show people some way forward mm -hmm. from the difficult actions that others have inflicted on them. You're contributing to that method of healing, I really believe, with this book. So thank, thank you, you for that. How can we, where can we find you out on the internet? Oh, well, um, I'm giving one more reading this year with uh, uh, oh, Cracked Walnut Reading Series, and it's Poets and Pints, and it, it'll be online and Zoom reading. I can't remember who my co-readers are. They just got okay, announced. We can um, <laughs> yeah. So Google that. That's um, each week. I think it's on the 8th. And uh, I'm also uh, part of the LA Book Fest uh, series of, of uh, readers. And that was pre-recorded, but that's going to be shown on the 17th. The book you can get pretty much anywhere since it's from Penguin. However, if you buy it from Birchbark Books in Minneapolis, I will have a signed copy. Oh, very cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So that's the only, I know that's the only place you can get things signed. And I really miss that part of having a new book is signing it to people. So. Thanks so much Hi, for joining me on this episode so, so, of so How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel, Rachel Heron, or at my I website, really rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on you. living your creative life for as little oh, as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>